Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Let's ride Denver. The Russell Wilson era is here. Getting you set for tonight's Broncos Monday night opener in Seattle. Here's Chad and Nate. Well, the wait is over, Chad. Woo! Little Ric Flair for you to get you started on the Monday morning. It's game day. Woo! It is game day. Interesting. <laughs> Woo! Okay, well, cool. <laughs> Are you guys ready to see Russell Wilson? Russell freaking Wilson. <laughs> Russell freaking Wilson, y'all. Um, so as you can tell, I have a few new pieces of sound from our other hosts that I'm going to s- sprinkle in as we go. Um, but um, I just want to test those out. This is the first time I got the iPad in front of me. And the iPad is what, like, you know, the cool hosts get. Yeah. Uh, I just got a couple pieces of sound. 60 stinking minutes of football. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we got tonight. We got 60 stinking minutes of football. Uh, but before we get into that matchup, Chad, you called a game this this weekend. You were in a torrential downpour in Chicago. You saw the the Bears beat the Niners. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, obviously the Niners and the Broncos get together week three, uh, so September 25th. Looking forward to that one. So this was a good game to get a chance to see what the Niners were all about. Uh, the torrential downpour was worse than it looked on TV. Um, it was insane amounts of rain. I haven't seen that kind of rain literally since I was in the jungles of Costa Rica where it was just just sheets of water coming out of the sky. Um, it was ridiculous. The first and fourth quarter were affected heavily by the rain. Couldn't really call too many pass plays. But the second and third quarter, the rain slowed down enough where both quarterbacks and both offensive coordinators, I think, felt comfortable trying to pass the ball. And let's just put it this way. Trey Lance and Justin Fields are not going to be vying for the league passing titles in any way, shape, or form. Not yet this year or any time? Because uh, you, you remember just a couple of years ago, we were debating uh, ad infinitum whether one of those guys would be the perfect fit here. So you, are, are you saying you're happy that it didn't work out with those guys? Uh, I, long term, I suppose they can find the ways to get better. But this, you know, uh, Trey Lance only had two starts last year. I think uh, Justin Fields had 11. So not, you know, a tremendous number of starts under their belts. But at the same time, I expected both those guys to be better. And it wasn't just like, oh, you're a little inaccurate. You know, a flare pass to the back. You know, the back's coming out of the backfield. It's a pass down the line of scrimmage. Every quarterback does that 10 times in practice. Those guys couldn't do that. But it was raining, man. It was it, Like you said, it, has, it hasn't rained that hard since you were tripping balls in the in the in, in, in the forest of Costa Rica, right? Um, no, man. Um, so, so wouldn't the rain affect the uh, quarterback's ability to throw those passes? But this was when the rain wasn't so bad. And yeah. do you do you practice with a wet ball during training camp? You know, I've always been on teams in Pittsburgh and say New England, where as soon as it rained, we went outside so the quarterback could practice throwing a wet football, so the ball handlers could practice with a wet football. Debo Samuel had uh, a fumble in that game, a critical fumble. Uh, there was another uh, fumble loss by a 49er runner. Uh, didn't have great ball security. So they didn't seem to be prepared for the conditions. Neither quarterback seemed ready for a prime time. Uh, the Niners still have Debo Samuel. They still have Fred Warner at linebacker. They still got uh, Bosa coming off the edge. So there's still talent there. But it was a very uneven performance, uh, both sides of the football for the Niners. And the Bears ultimately just hung in the game, hung in the game, and found a way to win. Their first six drives of the ball game, I think, had five punts. 
the next three drives after that, three touchdown scoring drives, all coming off of either 49er penalties or broken plays where Justin Fields broke the pocket, uh, you know, did the schoolyard thing, pointed to a receiver down the field, found his receiver open down the field, wasn't playing within the structure of the offense, but found a way to, to move the ball. Um, so Bears eke out a win, but I wasn't necessarily impressed with either team's performance. Yeah, you talk about those two quarterbacks. Trey Lance was 13 of 28, 164 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. Um, Justin Fields was what, 8 of 17. 8 of 17, 121 yeah. yards. Yeah. He threw two touchdowns, though, and he, and he threw a pick as well. So not exactly stellar quarterback play. And Trey Lance was the, the leading rusher as well for the Niners. So uh, so how, how long can that – he had 13 carries. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had to, you know, again, the weather conditions kind of forced that to happen. And then Elijah Mitchell, the best runner for the 49ers, went out with a knee injury uh, late in the first half. So they had to go with Trey Lance after that. Uh, the other runners just simply weren't moving the, the, the sticks as well as Elijah was. So a lot of other interesting action um, yesterday in the NFL. A lot of, a lot of games came down to kickers. Oh, like yeah. so many, you know, and, and um, if you listen to the show often, you might have heard me tease a kicker from time to time. But they are incredibly important to your team. And so I cannot overstate the value of having a kicker who can just come in and dial the kicks when you need to do it. You know, you look back, you look at the, 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 um, the Browns game. Okay. Browns and Panthers. This dude, this rookie kicker hits a 58 yarder at the buzzer in Baker's eye to win that thing. Okay. And then you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Did you watch that game? Caught a little bit of it. Yeah, well, it went down to the wire in overtime, but that that Cincinnati kicker who was like, you know, the 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 hot the hot young dude last year, the hot young kicker who who got him all the way through the playoffs, he missed one at the buzzer to win it, and he missed one in overtime to win it, and and then Pittsburgh ended up winning at the end of overtime with a kick from Boswell, um, fifty three yards, uh, kicker Bullock from Tennessee missed one, a winner, um. The New Orleans kicker kicked a game winner. So, you know, Young Way Koo had one block from 63 at the buzzer to miss it. So your kickers are pretty important, and, and it's, it's, there is a good likelihood that tonight could come down to a kick. And so if it does, do you trust Brandon McManus to ice that kick? Uh, I do. I, I do trust. I got a lot of trust in Brandon McManus. But if you look back over the weekend, six games decided by three points or less. Six games. And we always talk about football being a game of inches. Um, and all these little things that we have pointed out and somehow have felt ridiculous saying from time to time about field day and all that kind of stuff. Because we, re- I think as hosts, you, you, you recognize, looking at the scores every single week, there's going to be five to seven, maybe even eight games that are going to come down to a three points or less. And a player two is going to be massively important in this ball game. So uh, the ability for your team to win those couple of critical plays um, and and win the, the battle of inches, so to speak, uh, will determine your you know whether you get a chance to win the ball game or not. And sometimes it comes down to the kicker, and sometimes it's just a, a defensive or offensive play. But the amount of close games that happen in the NFL, particularly early in the season, um, yeah. I know we made a big deal about the practice schedule and yep. all that. Green Bay got destroyed. Yeah, what do you make of that? Because uh, the same thing happened last year to them, by the yeah, way. The they Rams. Yeah. The Rams lost the first time uh, in Sean McVay's tenure as, as head coach on opening week after going 5-0. and They got beat pretty beat down pretty good. So uh, where does this 
hey, I want to keep my guys healthy for December kind of thing. Where does that play into opening week? And are you just literally conceding opening week if this is your philosophy? They might well be. And and, and looking back on it, um, is does it matter? Because the Packers, the Packers lost their first game last year, right? And then went on a run. They finished thirteen and three. Yeah. So does week one even matter? Like, are we getting too excited about week one right now? Week one is, is obviously the every Monday is always an overreaction. But week one Monday is overreaction Monday. Uh, you know, uh, I told you you had to practice. I told you Patrick Mahomes was great. I told you Justin Fields sucked. All the I told you's come out here in the Monday after week one. What's an I told you that ended up being wrong? Ooh, uh, let's see. Let's look down the schedule. Uh, well, the Chiefs are clearly have not been hindered by the departure of Tyreek Hill. This is true. 44 points they, they hung on the Cardinals. Probably could have hung more as well. Uh, Patrick Mahomes look, look, looks pretty good. And uh, Juju Smith looks pretty good in that role. Yeah. yeah. Sky Moore, pretty Sky Moore is Sky Moore may be offensive rookie of the year. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. He's legit. Really? Yeah. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a good game. Travis Kelsey, of course, eight, eight catches, 121 yards. Um, there was a lot of great action. Great action in the NFL yesterday. That's why we love it. It was madness. It was chaos. But there's one more game to play in week one. How do you expect Russell Wilson and the rest of the Broncos to respond tonight in Seattle's hostile environment? We'll do that next. Let's ride Denver. The Russell Wilson era is here. Getting you set for tonight's Broncos Monday night opener in Seattle. Here's Chad and Nate. You know, I think, first of all, um, you know, my experience in Seattle was uh, one of a kind. You know, 10, ten years, I, I couldn't imagine those you know, those years not being in my life and how special they were and how many games we won and how many amazing thrillers and just the uh, you know, Super Bowl we won and everything else. So uh, I'm going to think about all those memories and everything else and the joy of that and the gratitude of that. And then also, um, we've got a football game to play, so I'm excited to just get out there and play again. I, you know, I love this game. Um, you know, I'm passionate about it and uh, got some, a lot of great teammates. There's a lot of guys that I'm super close with on the other side, so it'll be a great battle. Boo! Boo! We don't <laughs> care about your feelings, Russ. We want blood. Blood. Tonight, Lumen Field will be at capacity. 68,740 people fit in those seats, and they'll be out for blood tonight. Yep. Chad, um, the question is, will that rattle Russ Wilson? Rattle uh, is probably uh, too big of a word, uh, but get to him a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, that's crowd noise. The way the stadium is designed acoustically to redirect all the sound back to the field. Um, it's very difficult to block that out and not become acutely aware of it is so loud and it's so much energy coming at you. It has tripped up. Hall of Fame quarterbacks, all kind of offenses have struggles at that location. It's going to be difficult. So for Russell Wilson to somehow pretend he's a cyborg and, and not have any emotion and feeling about that when he is booed at this place where he has never been booed before, uh, yeah, it's going to throw him off a little bit. It's going to trip him up a little bit, no doubt about it. So taking into context what you just said about the advantage that the 12s give you yes. at Lumen Field, mm-hmm. is Russell Wilson's success a product of that environment. To a certain extent. Because uh, half the games he's played have been there. To a certain extent, Fastest yes. Fastest quarterback ever to 100 wins, right? So half of them are going to have come there, probably more. How yeah. many wins would he have if he would have played in Cleveland? How He has directly benefited from that environment on game day. 
No doubt about that. Um, I don't know if I could put a number to it. Uh, you know, it feels like a kind of a, a, a hypothetical exercise, but clearly there's been incredible benefit. Now I get to experience the other side of that and what that advantage actually has been. This will be a very fresh perspective for him. Um, I think there'll be some cheers when he comes out on the field uh, to, for warm-ups uh, to acknowledge what he has meant to that city and the, the wins that he brought, the Lombardi Trophy that he brought. But once game time's on, yeah, the 12s are Seahawks fans. They're not Russell Wilson fans. They're Seahawks fans, and they're going to want the Seahawks to win. They recognize they, if we can throw Russell Wilson off his game, affect his ability to communicate offensively, that gives us a better chance to win. You talked about an experience going back to Pittsburgh where you thought you were going to be warmly received because you spent your first four years there. You were drafted there. You loved it there. You ended up leaving to Seattle. You went back. You thought they were going to cheer for you and be wearing your jerseys. <laughs> That's not what happened. No, no, I got uh, I got much hate. Uh, I was told how much I sucked. I was booed every play I made. I was booed. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's it. In the end, did it affect my game? Probably not my game as much as it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. You know, I was, I was the same guy you guys loved last year. I'm the same dude. I'm just wearing a different jersey. So it was just kind of one of those welcome to the NFL moments where the perspective was uh, shifted and gained in the process of who fans, what fans cheer for. They cheer for the jersey, not for the person inside the jersey. Uh, Russell Wilson will experience that now for the first time. He will. And um, it's not just going to be him out there, Chad. You got 45 dudes suiting up today, 53 on the roster, only 45 suit up for the game. So you got 45 guys, 44 guys out there supporting him. And look, the strength of this team, of the Broncos team, is not the passing game right now. I think an argument could be made, and I'll run this by you, Chad. Do you think his weapons, his receiving weapons, were better in Seattle than they are here? I'm talking about DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett versus Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. I think the production has been better. Clearly, Tyler Lockett has a long uh, success record. Uh, DK Metcalf is one of the best receivers in the game, particularly from a size speed standpoint. So yeah, probably so. Probably so. Uh, a shade or two better, at least from a production standpoint. Yeah, just uh, a little context there. Last year, now I know you know the Broncos didn't have a, a, a solid quarterback last year. Quarterback carousel a little bit. They they dealt both of those guys, and the Seahawks had Russell Wilson, but Tyler Lockett. Last year had a 1,175 receiving yards. Uh, DK Metcalf had 967. Corlin Sutton had 776 last year. Uh, Tim Patrick, who's gone, had 734. And Noah Fant, who's now on the other side, had 670 yards. Yeah, so uh, I think if you go to go back a year before, you would find similar levels or even better production from DK Metcalf and similar level of production from Tyler Lockett. So the consistency of production it was there in Seattle that just simply didn't exist here in, in Denver. So uh, you know who's better down the road? I can't say, but going into this game. The Seattle wide receiver room has been more consistent, has had a higher level of production. So it's not about promise. It's about true production. This Broncos wide receiver room is more about, okay, we expect and we hope. And it looks promising, but there is not this track record of production behind it. Because the connection's just not there yet. These guys haven't spent enough time together. They haven't played a single football game together. No. And I think that's the hugest question mark with us is what's it going to look like, the passing game in particular, because the passing game requires timing. It requires reps. It requires going full speed, getting on the same page. 
I run a three-step slant. You run a three-step drop. You let it go right when I'm making my break, and we catch it in stride and score a touchdown. But if you don't, if we don't have that timing lined up, then it's going to look choppy, and it just might look choppy tonight. The passing game, and I think we got to expect that as a fan base for the passing game to look a little, well, inconsistent. Um, a lot of them did yesterday. You know, the, you talked about the game you called. Mm-hmm. Those guys couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. It was off. It was some bad quarterback play, no doubt. Patrick Mahomes played really well in week one. Josh Allen played really well in week one. What Tua, other, how about our boy Tua out in Miami? <sighs> Tua just, just launching it up there, dude, snatching it. Yeah, he, I, I mean, look, it's going to take a little bit of time. This Broncos team's going to have to lean on their running game early. And so, to me, the key to this victory is to put points on the board by moving the ball on the ground. I would agree with that. Uh, I think it to <clears throat> nothing can silence a crowd better than a consistent run game. And so if you want to take the 12s out of this and make them a smaller part of the equation, then, yeah, you have to run the football successfully. Each time Russell Wilson goes back to pass or is in an obvious passing situation, that stadium is going to erupt in noise. Uh, so to silence them, run the football, Nathaniel Hackett. And let's face it, this uh, Seahawks defense is clearly charged up to face Russ. Um, but your ability to tackle in week one, um, we saw a lot of poor tackling yesterday in NFL football. So to, to tackle Javante Williams is already a tough thing to do anyway. But to do it in week one without a whole lot of whole uh, full speed tackling practice under your belt, it's going to be even that much more difficult. So to ignore the run game would definitely be to Nathaniel Hackett's, Russell Wilson, and the Broncos' peril. So the idea that the running back uh, has the advantage on week one because the other team hasn't been tackling, doesn't the running back also need to to kind of get in the rhythm of breaking tackles as well? Or is it automatically the advantage goes to the runner because – well, you talk about the Niners. They couldn't. They couldn't get the ball going on the in the on the ground either. Um, they they required Debo Samuel and Trey Lance to get the majority of their yards. They handed the ball to the running back. They got nothing. Right. right. Um, the Bears actually did have a little bit of uh, um, success on the ground. But does the running is is the is it the advantage goes to the running back to the to the guy with the ball? I think so. Uh, I, I think the ability to make people miss a tackle is more quickly and easier honed than the ability to tackle. Um, And it takes less reps for a running back to shake somebody off than it is for a safety to come up and knock a running back down in the hole. It's just a, it's just one's a, a, maybe a little simpler skill set to master uh, and to get back to. If you haven't done it since last season, I expect backs to make people miss. I don't expect tacklers who haven't tackled anybody since last year to be proficient out in week one. So that's going to go for the Broncos defense as well. And so what are your concerns on the Broncos defense? The Broncos defense to me is the strength of this team right now. They had the most returning starters, the the fewest question marks as to who was going to be the guy. There weren't a lot of camp battles on defense that we were tracking. You know, we're tracking all the things that are going on on offense. Who's going to be who's going to be the right guard? Who's going to be the right tackle? Right? Who's going to be the receiver that emerges? Uh, which running back is going to get the most carries? Um, Russell Wilson was like the only guy that was solidified. Obviously, Garrett Garrett Bowles and Corliss Sutton, but there are a lot of question marks on offense. Whereas on defense, aside from inside linebacker, it seems as if This defense is pretty short up. I want to ask you that on the other side. Don't answer it, Chad. But first, what happened with the Rockies last night? Here's 
spelling to fill us in. Let's ride Denver. The Russell Wilson era is here. Getting you set for tonight's Broncos Monday night opener in Seattle. Here's Chad and Nate. The Russell Wilson era begins tonight at Lumen Field. Look, Chad, everybody knows that you win football games with hard-nosed defense and running the ball and playing conservative, right? Or, 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 don't, don't interrupt me. Or, you got to air it out, man. It's a quarterback era. Look at Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Look well, at those guys. Look at Josh Allen. Um, what is the correct way to win this football game tonight for the Denver Broncos? Tonight, I'm going to say run the ball and try to, your best to play some good defense. Uh, looking at the top five guys from various categories from yesterday, uh, I guess including Thursday as well, uh, the top five passers, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, Carson Wentz, and Joe Flacco, two losses, two wins, and one tie. The top five rushers, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, and Leonard Fournette, three wins, one loss, one tie. Mm. If you want to have a great wide receiver, it's so important we get a stud wide receiver. Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup. Three losses, two wins. So clearly, running the ball is the most effective for winning the football game. Boom! Um, okay. All right, I'm going to play a little uh, devil's avocate. Please do. Is that a, a situation of causation is not correlation or that saying, however that goes? Because obviously, if you get ahead, then you run the ball. Right. If you get behind, then you got to throw it to catch up. So if you're behind and you put up some garbage numbers, well, you already got behind. You got behind because you sucked, or you got behind because you came out of the gate flat, or you got behind because you had turnovers, or you were getting your butt kicked, or you weren't tackling, not because you weren't running the ball or you weren't throwing the ball. Isn't that just a circumstance? It is circumstantial to a certain extent. Yeah, Joe Flacco being in the top five passers, he had 59 pass attempts. They lost 24 to 9 to Baltimore. If you don't want Joe Flacco throwing the ball 59 times. No, that's, that's not, not a recipe. That is not a, it's a recipe, but it's oh, a disaster. recipe for disaster. Yes. It's not going to like what comes out the oven with that recipe. Um, but I think the teams that stay focused on the ground game and never lose track of that and lose track of its importance are the teams that are going to be successful. Now, at some point, if you've got a couple turnovers early and you're behind by 14 or 21 points in the first half, first quarter, then, yeah, you kind of got to abandon the run game to begin to try to pass the ball and get yourself back in it. But outside of those circumstances, if you can continue to run the football and continue to present that threat to the defense, particularly here in week one where tackling's not as good, if you've got a, a back who can be explosive and break a tackle because there's going to be missed tackles out there, that eight-yard run could be 28 yards. could be 88 yards. Um, and then it also opens up your play-action game. Defenses are still getting up to speed with things and seeing things in r- real full-speed action. And if you run the ball a couple of times and those guys start stepping up, then throw the play-action pass over their heads. Both Justin Fields and Trey Lance were able to do that in my 49er Bears game yesterday, and neither one of those guys can be considered at this point a top-notch passer, but their best plays came off of play-action. Someone texting and saying, ask Kansas City and Buffalo how to win. Screw this 90s style play all you guys keep flapping about. Enough. That's Michael and Thornton. And then he says, air that thing out. Air it out. Why, Why did you get Russell Wilson, Chad? Did you get it to play conservative football? Did you get it to play Vic Fangio ball? 
or did you get it to let Russ cook and air the ball out? You got guys like Corlin Sutton, big play master. You got a guy like Jerry Judy. Shoot, you got K.J. Hamler coming back who can take the top off. Why play conservative? Why hand the ball off? Air that thing out. It's week one. It's week one. Josh Allen played in the preseason. Went three for three against the Denver Broncos. Played six plays, man. Yes, 158.3 passer rating. But he got some action in the preseason. Patrick Mahomes got action, considerable action, in the preseason. So it's no surprise that two of the best quarterbacks in the league hit the ground running from a passing standpoint because they got action in the preseason. Joe Flacco got a lot of action in the preseason. I know, and I know you, he threw over 300 yards. Right. But he threw 57 or 59 passes. Right. Only got nine points for his team. The Jets are off to another 0-1 start. My point is to, to tie this to what you're saying is for Russell Wilson – who didn't play in the preseason, to go out there with Corlin Sutton and Tim Pat... No, not Tim Pat, I'm sorry. Uh, Jared Judy and K.J. Hamler and expect them to light it up in week one when they didn't have any preseason action. I think that's a bit of, of a tall hill to climb. The standards for Rus- for Nathaniel Hackett's practice system for training camp, the Green Bay Packers and the Rams, both did not hit the ground running in week one. I expect both those teams to be very good football teams. But they've not hit the ground running in week one. Their offenses did not look to be uh, operating uh, at full capacity. So if you're going to try to win this game tonight, I'm not saying all season long you have to adhere to run game first, but to win the game tonight with the circumstances, with the crowd noise, with the defenses have, uh, having a poor record of tackling in week one, with Javante Williams being your running back, then that is the way to go. Okay, well, what about... Nathaniel Hackett, you know, he's a he's an offensive genius. Is he? Yeah, that's okay. why he's here. Okay. That's yeah. why he's here. Mm-hmm. So why else would we have brought him here to play like a conservative? Like, a, hey, man, run the football, pound it, three yards in a cloud of dust. We can do this. We'll take it back to 1952. Or do we bring him here to do what Aaron Rodgers has done the last three years in Green Bay and air that thing out? Because but even, even but, Aaron Rodgers had to change his game for Nathaniel Hackett to pass to – be a little bit more focused on getting the ball out of his hand. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett did turn Aaron Rodgers into a better quarterback, but it took some time to to get Aaron Rodgers to trust what he wanted him to do. So for Russell Wilson to start slinging it around the yard tonight, again, it's just not best chance for success tonight. Down the road, things are clicking. Hackett and Russell are on the same page offensively. These wide receivers move from promise to production. Then I'm all ears Ooh, for Promise that. to production. Yes, I'm all ears for that. But right now, week one, Loud environment, difficult to communicate, difficult to make checks, difficult to do all that stuff pre-snap in the stadium tonight. You got to try to run the ball. You got to make that the focus. Yes, play action pass should be part of that. Russell Wilson will have the opportunity for some deep shots within that. But to ask Russ to drop back 35, 40 times, I'm not sure if that's the way to go to win tonight. Well, the thing we've been talking about for the last couple, well, month or so, is the Broncos not playing their starters, right? Because it's something that was unusual to us. It was what we saw unfolding in front of us because we were out there at training camp yesterday. But the Broncos did beat up on the Cowboys at a joint practice. There's a text coming in that maybe puts that into context. You can respond to this. Broncos hanging their hat on one practice versus a garbage Cowboys team to believe their starters are ready for week one. Ridiculous. Broncos getting hammered in Seattle tonight, 24-9. to I can see completely where that texture is coming from because uh, oh, the Cowboys look pretty bad last that's night. That's all the action we have to go on as far as the, the starters. Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking about tonight Josie Jewell not playing. Oof, Billy Turner is, was, has been limited. 
Randy Gregory. Uh, can you, can, really quick on the Billy Turner thing. That, if it plays out the way it's looking like, like this guy might just not be healthy this year, that what, that could be the first miscalculation of Nathaniel Hackett. Because he was obviously like, this is my boy. Right. Right tackle's good. We're going to be great over there. Because the question was, do we, do we draft one? Because we need one. That's the one position we've needed. Nathaniel Hackett came in and was like, don't worry about that position. We got that. Do we? Do we? I, yeah, we'll see what Billy Turner can do. But offensive tackle is not like a wide receiver where you can, hey, we'll roll him out there for 10 or 12 plays. You know, you're, you're either playing or you're not. You're the full speed or you're not. You don't, you don't, you don't roll in different offensive linemen. And for Cam, if Cameron Fleming's going to be the answer, he didn't get a whole lot of action in the preseason either. So now we're going to Calvin Anderson. Uh, and Calvin Anderson, let's say, had an uneven, uneven preseason. So, uh, yeah, there's question marks out there. So to the texter's point about, you know, us taking all this or the Broncos taking all this confidence away from playing the Cowboys in one joint practice, and when the Cowboys certainly didn't look very good yesterday, um, it's got to be a little internally concerning because you have your plan, and your plan is based on what you think of are certain pillars of facts. Well, the facts are, this is Nathaniel Hackett in his head, uh, hey, we didn't do a lot in the preseason with my guys, but my guys, we played really well against the Cowboys, and we did this and we did that, and I'm expecting this guy back. And then those pillars of truth that you want to hang your hat on start to fade away. It can't help but chip away at your confidence a little bit. And it's going to show you what the depth is like on this team. Mm -hmm. Josie Jewell out, that's a big one. That's another position we talked about in the offseason as a need to upgrade or a question mark. Is Josie Jewell going to be the guy? Do we need to draft somebody else? Get somebody else in here? They made a few attempts half-heartedly to get somebody to compete with him. Couldn't find that guy. Now Josie's out uh, tonight with a calf injury, I believe. So the Broncos are going to have to step up. Where's that depth come from? Alex Singleton's going to step in there. How does that affect your special teams? He was probably a core special teams guy on all four of them. So another guy's got to step in. Special teams also could be an area that, um, well, could be an area that is a game turner one way or the other. Field position battle is huge. And we saw what happened with a deficient kickoff coverage and kickoff return team last year. All right. Tonight is a revenge game for Russell Wilson, but that's not the only person who wants blood tonight. We're going to talk about those guys next. Let's ride Denver. The Russell Wilson era is here. Getting you set for tonight's Broncos Monday night opener in Seattle. Here's Chad and Nate. Well, this game's been on the the calendar for a while now, and people have been anxiously awaiting it because of the drama between Russell Wilson and the 12s, the Seahawks world, Pete Carroll, you name it, everybody over there. This dude was there for 10 years. That's longer than the average marriage in America, Chad. Eight, 8.2 years is the average American marriage. Russell Wilson was married to the Seahawks for 10 years, and they called it quits, and now he's going back. Um, but you know what? He's not the only one with revenge on his mind. Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Drew Locke. Now, Probably are not going to see Drew Locke tonight, although I can envision a situation in which Broncos go up early, big. <laughs> Geno Smith throws a few picks, and they put in Drew Locke in the second half. I can to, see that. To do the to, to, to do the comeback thing. Mm-hmm. To just sling it around, Drew. Go play ball, bro. <laughs> and uh, we know how that goes. Mm-hmm. So 
we can keep our fingers crossed that that happens because that would be very interesting. But the most likely scenario, as far as the revenge guys, Shelby Harris and Noah Fant, all right? When you think about Noah Fant's contribution to the Broncos, he was a first-round pick, played three years here, 40 catches his first year for 562 yards. His second year, 2020, 62 catches, 673 yards. Last year, uh, 68 catches. 670 yards for 170 catches in three years. Not bad. Not bad. And I know we we're critical of Noah Fant mm-hmm. because we're critical of everyone, Chad. We <laughs> demand perfection. And if and if they're not perfect, they're going to hear it from us. But he did score 10 touchdowns, and he was right up there among the team leaders in receiving. Um, and so how will he be used? And then you got Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris was a guy who was a journeyman player. He's played seven years in the league. But he had five years here with Denver, 2017 through 2021. And um, a unique player. Has a unique ability to bat the ball down. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha- had some really nice games for the Broncos. Got a pretty good salary in 2021, and then they dealt him. Um, so of those two players, which do you think is going to have the bigger impact tonight? I'm going to go with Noah Fant just because of the injury to Josie Jewell. Uh, it's probably going to be Jonas Griffith and Alex Singleton playing the inside linebacker spot. Um Clearly, the Seattle Seahawks, via Pete Carroll, want to run the football. That's Pete's mindset. Uh, and then if your linebackers are stepping up to play the run, then play action passes, particularly uh, tight end seam routes, open up. Linebackers step up to defend the run. Tight end is unguarded down the seam. That's a very difficult thing to do, to play the run well and deal with seam tight ends coming down, particularly if you're a man coverage. Then why didn't we run any seams with Noah Fant over the last couple of years? I, I cannot the say. The guy is a fast player. Fast. That's his his... Advantage is his speed, right? Yep. Not a shifty route runner. Maybe yep. the Seahawks will see that and try to run him down the seam. Is that what you're saying? If you and I can look at Noah Fant's body type and his skill set and quickly assess where he would be most difficult to defend defensively, um, I'm sure Pete Carroll and his offensive staff figure that out. They're, they got some pretty smart football minds over there. I'm not sure what uh, they were thinking. <laughs> we were actually trying to throw incompletions. Yeah, so that's what they were thinking about. Interesting. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. think no, I think well, Noah cool. Fent has a, the revenge tour on his mind and will have an opportunity to be successful um, because of the you know lack of depth at the inside linebacker spot against guys who aren't necessarily the best players on the Broncos' defense. In fact, I will put the inside linebacker spot the worst grouping on the Broncos' defense. The, 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 that's the spot offensively that I would attack in the run game and in the pass game. How do you attack the Inside linebacker group in the run game because you got to get through the defensive line first, right? So how do you attack the middle linebackers? Well, it's a you know it's a three four style defense, so there's going to be open gaps in there. You attack those open gaps that the linebackers are responsible for. Uh, so in that, so running between the tackles, essentially, yeah. yeah. Or you can run and, and get the linebackers running too fast and cut back. Uh, which is what some of the things that the Bills did. And they when they had success running the football against guys like Alex Singleton and Justin Strenad out there, get them running one direction, cut it back the opposite way. Those guys were unable to deal with that. So there's lots of things on tape from these guys who will be playing the inside linebacker position of them making mistakes. And I'm sure Pete Carroll and his play callers offensively are looking to recreate. So what about the idea that Shelby Harris, who's a master at batting the ball down, is going up against a quarterback who is a little bit Vertically challenged. There is that. Plus, uh, Quinn, what's, the, what's the over-under on Shelby Harris batted balls tonight? Ooh. One uh, and a half? A half? I, I would go two and a half. You think, and where would you go, over or under? 
that that would be tough because that's Vegas tries to make it tough on you with their halves. Right. Uh, I could see two, three would be a really really good game, but he is going against Quinn Miners, who may be the worst pass blocker up front for the Denver Broncos. So there's another opportunity there for Shelby. To, he could be on his revenge tour and get an opportunity to get either pressure in the backfield. But if he is stuck at the line of scrimmage, we've seen his ability to bat passes down. Uh, and I'm sure Pete Carroll has talked about with Shelby about Russell's height and Russell's limitations. And if he wants to throw the ball inside the hashes, it's going to come directly over you, Shelby. You have a chance to bat or affect a lot of Russell Wilson's throws tonight. So as a defensive player, I just want to know this, what it's like. Were you ever like a bat, bat the ball down kind of guy? Like, and if you do, if you throw your hands up like that and you're engaged with an offensive line, don't they punch you in the gut? They do. Don't they kick you in the nuts? Don't they do stuff to you to, to, to discourage you from continuing to do that? The <laughs> and, and, and isn't the, That's the, assault, brother. That is, man, but that's what it's like down there, brother. Uh, the uh, testicular fortitude uh, doesn't come into play unless you jump. If you jump, okay. yeah, that's when they're going for that. Yeah, but if you just put one hand up, uh, they tend not to punch you in the stomach. Two hands, yeah, you just let yourself wide open right there. So offensive line play can have something to do with it. Obviously, they're going to be coached, the Broncos offensive line. If you got Shelby and Harris in front of you, know this is what he does. Be prepared to punch him in his chest and punch him in his stomach to get those hands down. But in regards to that, do you think part of the game plan, and I'm not talking about just because Shelby Harris bats the ball down, but because of Russell's skill set, wouldn't they want to move the pocket? Don't they want to get him uh, outside the traditional tackle box, have some open lanes, play action passes, using his legs? You know, I don't know if you listened to the the last hour of, of Schlereth and Evans this morning, but they had Brock and Salk on, mm-hmm. and they were talking to Salk of Seattle Radio was inf- insinuating that Russell sabotaged the season last year and intentionally didn't take off and run the ball because he was trying to, yeah, sabotage his team. Uh, if that's the case, if, if Salk is right about that, can we expect Russell Wilson to be running more this year? His numbers last year were pretty low as far as rushing. Um, do I see Russell Wilson running a ton with planned quarterback runs? No, and I think Russell Wilson is still going to have the green light from Nathaniel Hackett to escape the pocket. Uh, when the pocket breaks down, he can't get the ball downfield and run and pick up a first down and do the slide, which he is awesome. Absolutely awesome. He may be the best sliding quarterback in all the NFL. Next to Drew Locke. <laughs> oh, sorry. Apologies to, to Drew Locke. You, you're absolutely right about that with the knee brace getting stuck in the grass. Um, yeah, it's hard to imagine there's going to be a lot of planned Russell Wilson runs in Nathaniel Hackett's game plan. Um, I just, I don't see it. A run pass opportunity, a rollout or a bootleg, things are covered downfield, you break the pocket and take off. Yeah, I can see that. But some kind of zone read where Russell is looking at the defensive end and is going to keep it if the end crashes down and he's going to take off and run with it, uh, that's not how you take care of your $245 million contract. Quarterback. So you, so you do take care of him by running the football? You run the football. And blocking well. And play action, yes. Right, so this offensive line has a has a tall task ahead of it today. What do you know about the defensive line for the Seahawks, um, other than Shelby Harris? The guys in the middle, the guys on the edges. Quinn Miners is a second-year player who played D3 football and sat out 2020. Um, right tackle's a question mark. Lloyd Cushenberry has earned the respect of his teammates and seems to be improving quite a bit. But you still don't know how he's going to play. Dalton Reisner, Garrett Bowles, 
What's it going to look like for those guys playing with a quarterback that they've never played before, with before, who has tendencies that they're not used to in a hostile environment when they can't even hear each other talk? When you look at the defense for the Seahawks, now not a lot of names pop out at you outside of Shelby Harris and Jamal Adams and Shelby Harris because he was here. Al Woods and Puna Ford, uh, the nose tackle and defensive tackle, uh, I wouldn't call them great players, but they're athletic big guys who can move. Uh, Jordan Brooks, the uh, left inside linebacker, uh, he's got some skill to him. He can rush the quarterback. He can blitz. He's a good guy. Nawusa, the Sam uh, outside linebacker for them, he's a, actually a pretty good player, and he can affect the passer pretty well. So if it's going to be Calvin Anderson out there, Nawusa could be a bit of a mismatch. Uh, they do bring Jamal Adams down into the box. They do involve him in the blitz game as well. So there's a number of guys who can get after the quarterback. But, again, you look at this Seahawks defense, you don't go, oh, man, how are we going to deal with that guy? Outside Jamal Adams, I don't think anybody requires a special meeting from an offensive staff standpoint with what are we going to do about this guy. Um, but together, Pete's system is a strong system. He's got a great defensive mind, and he's going to put those guys in positions to be successful. We're talking about Pete. He's 15 games below 500 without Russ, and he doesn't have Russ. And that's a good thing for the Broncos. All right, there's a lot of question marks going into tonight's game in Seattle. But is there something that happened yesterday in the NFL that bodes really well for Nathaniel Hackett tonight? We'll get into that next on Distractions. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.